0: Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Before we get started, I have a couple reminders. Weekdays at 7.30am Pacific Time, you can watch me live stream my Days Gone playthrough. I take on hordes, talk shit about rippers, and lay waste to ambush camps, all before I've had my morning cup of coffee. You can find me on my YouTube channel, just search for Days Gone Podcast. And on Tuesdays, I hijack the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel for a collaborative live stream playthrough of Days Gone, he goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story, characters, and all the amazing details of the game. You can find us live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday at 6pm Pacific. Today's episode is one I've been excited for for a very long time. Joining me today is the master of challenge mode the fearless annihilator of hordes, the speedrun king himself, none other than Borislav247. Borislav, hello and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Very good, Claire. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It is truly an absolute honour.
0: Oh, the honor is all mine. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So in case anyone's not familiar with your videos, your channel is an incredibly impressive collection of challenge mode runs and horde takedowns in record time. And I'm talking the Iron Butte horde in 39 seconds, the Sawmill in 96 seconds, Mount Bailey in 41 seconds, like seriously mind-blowing shit. And you also have tutorials and guides to help people understand the challenges and get good scores. You're obviously a huge fan of the game and an excellent gamer. Where did your love of gaming start?
1: Well, it started very early in my life. Um, I've got to admit, as I was growing up... um, When I was finally allowed to go into the the main high street of the town that I lived in at the time, um, I started by going to the odd cafes that we had there, because this was the only form of entertainment there was in the way of arcade machines. We weren't lucky enough to have a a proper arcade store. Um, There was one in a town nearby, about 17 miles away, but... At the time, I was too young where I was uh, allowed to go there, so I first started off by um, watching my friends playing various um, arcade machines and occasionally having a go myself. Um, eventually, when I was a little bit older, I managed to get to this town, which was around about 17 miles away, and that's when I first started to uh, play some of the arcade games of that time. And I might be showing my age here when I start mentioning one or two of these because we are talking the likes of uh, Choplifter, um, Chase HQ, Outrun—absolute um, classics. Of I don't that know type.
0: any of those. Really? Yeah.
1: Outrun. I haven't heard of those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know arcades all that well, so maybe I'm showing my ignorance there. But no, I haven't heard of those. Maybe Outrun. I, that sounds vaguely familiar.
1: Yeah, that's probably one of the the most famous um, arcade machines, certainly. Um, Choplifter and Chase HQ, I'll just be quite honest, they were ones that were available at the time, and Chase HQ actually became reasonably good at, at the time, so for very little money I used to be playing that for about 20-30 minutes a time, so that, oh, uh, that certainly helped, but uh, as I got a bit older, and um, Actually, say a lot older. I was in my teens when I got my first computer, which was a 48K Spectrum. (laughs) And from there, that was when my love of games started.
0: What were some of the, uh, the games that you like to play on your Spectrum?
1: Oh, so many. I mean, to start with, there was some very simple games, but there were the playability of them in that time was fantastic. The likes of Jetpack, Chucky Egg. Um, you also had a lot of arcade games that started to be converted to um, play on these computers. So the likes of Bomb Jack, Space Harrier, um, Paperboy. That, that was apparently very, very popular Finally, in the US.
0: one I've heard of.
1: <laughs> yes. <The> Paperboy. <laughs> um, so... My love just basically grew from there, and I eventually moved on to an Amiga 500.
0: Oh, I had Maybe, one of those. I had one of those. That was my first computer.
1: Yeah, fantastic machines. They really mm. are. One of my few regrets in life was that I actually sold my Amiga 500 with my huge collection of games oh. that I had amassed. Oh, I really wish I really <laughs> wish I hadn't, because from there, I eventually moved on to... Um, proper consoles, and I think mm-hmm. the, the Sega Mega Drive was probably the first that I owned in that genre. Um, obviously for Sonic the Hedgehog, I can't think of any gamer that uh, hasn't been heavily into other games and hasn't played that game. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started to get a number of consoles over the years, and I still have them. Um, from the, from this point I I never sold them. I kept I've kept all my consoles, so Sega Mega Drive, Nintendo Wii, which I actually have, still have set up in my living room. Still play that from time to time. Nice. Um and a few others in the PlayStation especially. I have every PlayStation that was uh, that was ever made. Mm. One, two, three, I have two PlayStation 4s. <laughs> Only because Wait, one of them is <laughs> one of them is the PS4 Pro. Oh, okay. That is why I have two of those. The other is just a standard PlayStation 4. And right. of course, I've been very, very lucky. I managed to get my hands on a PlayStation <gasps> 5.
0: Oh my god! How did you manage to get a PlayStation 5?
1: Well, I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> I am very lucky because the job that I do, um, I work nights. And where I work, uh, I have full access to the internet. Mm. And around three o'clock in the morning, um, a very famous um, chain um, shop chain in the UK called Argos happened Mm. to drop uh, a whole batch of PlayStation 5s at around 20 past three in the morning. And I just happened to be on their website at the time.
0: Damn, that is some luck.
1: And I was so lucky. I all of a sudden went into a blind panic. (laughs) Oh my God, I don't even believe this. It's like, let's do this.
0: Quick, order it before they run out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I was trying from various different areas because they start with the the region that you're in and it was basically saying none are available. So I went to try another area. All of a sudden I'm being told, Uh, Available for collection, but not for delivery. And I think eventually it ended up um, a store in Leicester that I happened to uh, check on, and then they actually had it available to buy. And I was Mm -hmm. just rushing through to get my details through via PayPal, and that was it. Um, Around about 12 hours later, I had the PlayStation 5 at my house. Even after I had uh, got confirmation that uh, it would be delivered at such and such a time. I still didn't believe it. I'd heard so many stories about people who had managed to secure a PlayStation or they had thought they'd managed to secure a PlayStation only for them to be told a few hours later that, no, sorry, we actually run out of stock and Mm. the machine we promised you, you can't have.
0: Right. Yeah, I'd be so paranoid. I'm still trying to get one. they just, I don't know how to... Do it, but aside from just sheer blind luck, um you just happen to be on the site at the right time.
1: They're well worth it, Claire, when you manage to get your hands on one. Yeah, especially for Days Gone.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's talk about that. So, what was, how did you discover Days Gone? What console were you on? What were your expectations? Did when did you discover it? Tell me the whole story about how you got into Days Gone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It started off when I seen um, a video clip on YouTube, and I think it was the E3 conference, if Mm -hmm. I remember rightly. And it was their first showing of Days Gone involving a horde. And this poor guy, which I now know to be Deacon St. John, Mm -hmm. who was running for his life Mm -hmm. around this environment, (laughs) ducking, vaulting over items, with this huge amount of, at the time, I thought was just zombies. Uh, obviously, I now know them as freakers, swarmers, and whatnot. But I was watching this, and I was absolutely mesmerized. And I'm thinking, this looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, when I heard that this was an open world game, that was it. I had it earmarked for for buying I didn't buy it immediately when it came out. I will be quite honest. At the time, I was playing one or two other games. And I just basically had it in my mind, right, I'm going to wait until it comes in the sales. And then I'm going to pick up a copy of this as cheap as I can get it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, it happened. There was a sale um, in a city that's um, fairly near to myself. And I managed to pick it up for £14.
0: (laughs) Whoa, that's cheap.
1: It Really cheap at um, at the time, which I'm sure the creators um, from Bench Studio will... Uh, well, they did. I believe they had quite a rant uh, about people that weren't paying full price for their game. Yeah. That they were uh, a tad uh, miffed annoyed about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is an understatement. I think he used some rather stronger language than <laughs> uh, that. But... Uh, but anyhow, fr- from there, once I had the game, it's, believe it or not, it still took, I think I had it for about two weeks sitting on my uh, on my shelf in my collection before I actually took the time to load it onto my PlayStation. And at the time, I owned a standard PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. And from then, that's when the magic for me began it really was. My first playthrough was absolutely amazing. It came at a time when I think you were talking roughly about three or four weeks before the Days Gone challenges were actually due to be released.
0: Right. Yeah, because they were a DLC that came after the release.
1: Yes. And I was compl- All the time that I was playing Days Gone, I was absolutely oblivious to this news that these Days Gone Challenges were um, due to be coming out. Mm -hmm. So I started playing Days Gone, absolutely loved it. Um, I did what probably every other gamer does the very first time. I just tried to complete everything, really took my time over it. Um, Got absolutely petrified of the game very quickly because the Bed Studio do an absolutely fantastic job of um, putting certain things in the right areas mm-hmm. very early on.
0: Mm-hmm. Those little jump scares.
1: <laughs> I'm talking about the Death Train Horde that you see very oh. early that's um, mm-hmm. that's put in a very specific point where you're having to pass them on a number of occasions. And mm-hmm. this was the very first horde that I ever tried to take on. How'd that go for you? Terribly. I had very little ammo, and the ammo that I did have was with guns that were very poor, to start with. Mm -hmm. And I did eventually take care of this horde, but it must have taken, I'm not exaggerating when I say about 25 minutes. Because I had the bike parked so far up the road, I would try and take out a few freakers every time, get on the bike move it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> drive off, come and back. Then,
1: <laughs> yep, come back, uh, rinse and repeat. I eventually did take them out, but it took a long, long time. Yeah. And at, at this time, my I didn't have any concepts of the extra weapons that I would eventually get. I didn't have anything in the way of throwables and whatnot. In fact, at, at that time, I didn't even know they existed because I hadn't picked up any.
0: So you're just doing it with the shitty guns that you had at the beginning of the game?
1: Yes. I think it was an SAF-12. And again, I had so little ammo. I think I was lucky if I had 30 bullets at the time when I was taking on this sword, And I had a pistol, and I had my melee weapon um. at the time. And again, it was quite a poor melee weapon.
0: And how big is the Death Train horde?
1: It's 50 strong
0: fifty. Which at the beginning of the game, that's way too many. I remember the the Little Bear Lake horde. I remember that being like at least a thousand freaks when I first took it on. And I swear, you know, like all the hordes, the first playthroughs feel like five thousand freakers. And you play it a second time and you're like, wait, no, no, it's only like fifty or or Little Bear Lake I think is what, 25, 30?
1: Yeah, it's thirty.
0: Your perception changes so much on a second playthrough. Um, I joke that maybe Ben Studio did some sort of patch or update that reduced the number of freaks in a horde, because the the Lava Arch horde was um it's my favorite horde because it was I think the first one um that I really felt like I was going to try to take on. And I think I gave I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure I gave up or it took me a long time, like you with the Death Train horde, because there were just so many of them. And now I play it and I'm like, well, it's only like 50 or 75. Like, it's not that many. Um, it's easy when you pack in the MG55 or, <laughs> or the SMP9, but at the beginning of the game, when you, especially like you say, when you don't know what you're going to get later, and you don't know about... The Molotovs or the Napalm Molotovs or grenades or or using bombs or anything like that. You don't know to use the explosive barrels and the truck that's parked right next to the Death Train horde.
1: Yes, absolutely. You don't necessarily absolutely. know those things. I couldn't agree more. After that first horde that I took on, I swear for the first part of that game when I was in the northern section, Mm-hmm. I didn't take on another horde until virtually I was about to head south. I think just before that time, I started to take on one or two more hordes. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, I relied purely on stealth. In fact, I became, uh, I pretty much became a melee master at that time. (laughs) And just, I just, I never went out at night because I, I did become aware at that time after one or two times when i was actually playing the game and i happened to not realize that it had, um, that nighttime had properly started where the hordes were going to come out and i ended up running into one or two of them
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so from from there i really was i just stuck to the daytime and really played it safe in fact my first playthrough was so so different to the style which i now employ
0: yeah it's surprising to hear that because Watching your videos, like the the Borislav, I know <laughs> from watching all your videos online, you have no fear of the hordes, and you just you just roll in there and fuck up their day in forty one seconds. And it's crazy to think that you started the game being, as you say, like mastering the melee and stealth and only playing in the daytime. I mean, I think that's something that that we all start like that. And people don't realize when they watch people like you or Spornicus Rex, you know, these people who are so good at mastering the game, you forget that, you know, you, you were all noobs too at some point.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. My first playthrough, I can't stress enough just how different it was to how I have played future playthroughs. Mm-hmm. When I first, my very first playthrough, I relied purely on stealth. Eventually, when I started to pick up some better weapons, yes, then I did start to engage um, some of the hordes a little bit more. But still, I was quite cautious. Um, I didn't really have any great strategies um, when I was playing the game and getting the um, the Nero injectors. I was taking them on in completely the wrong way as to what i would do now i would always start with trying to get the health um up to full first then i would go for stamina and then focus oh wow
0: so you maxed out your health first
1: yes and stupidly i really was it was just pure ignorance on my part not realizing um because now i really am all about guns guns guns
0: so your focus max out focus first
1: focus always first now mm. then stamina and then eventually health
0: now do you max it out each each time or do you kind of keep them sort of the same but like always up update uh, upgrade focus and then you'll throw a couple on stamina then a couple on health or are you just doing focus 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 for the first 10 or whatever
1: yep the first 10 i absolutely just go to get as much on focus as possible Damn. Once I've achieved that, then I go for stamina. Uh, the The main reason for this is, as the game starts to go on and you start to take out one or two of the the ambush camps, mm-hmm. you start to get um, you start to get your recipes unlocked. Right, and I do know, um, right from the off, I think within about the first four or five ambush camps that you take out. You unlock um, I'm pretty sure there is one for focus and there's also a stamina cocktail mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's fourth or fourth or fifth I do know it's and I do know it's pretty early mm-hmm. um, and because of this, I've always just right from the start just concentrated on focus because once you have that and once you've unlocked the the focus ability and the skills it really makes a lot of the gunplay so much easier. Especially with the the marauders.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good point with the stamina cocktails, because I I suck at remembering to use the cocktails. I, I really I don't know why. I just I don't fucking think of them. I don't remember them. Um but you're right, you could just focus on upgrading the focus and then use the stamina cocktails to in the field, upgrade your stamina for the short period of time that you need it, you don't need to use the neuro injectors when you have the stamina cocktails. I never even thought about that. I never (laughs) even fucking thought of it that way. I always, because my thing is is, uh, I do focus and stamina and I kind of like alternate. This playthrough I'm doing a little more on focus. Um, My current playthrough I'm doing an antisocial playthrough where I'm not buying guns from the camps. I'm not going into camps. Um, except to get jobs. Uh, So I'm not selling bounties. I'm not doing any of that. So I really need to make the ammo count. So I'm getting ammo out in the field, just whatever I can scavenge. Um, So I'm using the focus to basically make my weapons more efficient, not waste any ammo that I manage to get, um, and not really using the stamina or the health upgrades at all Not getting those because I'm not engaging so much in combat because I don't have good weapons right now and I'm not able to purchase them because I'm not going into camps to purchase them. So it's like a, you know, I'm imposing this restriction on myself just to change up my gameplay a little bit.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, Normally I would do kind of focus and stamina in combination and kind of level them up together and kind of pull up the health. Every once in a while I'll throw one on health just doing a little bit here and there. Because I forget, I played so many new game pluses that I forgot what it's like when your health is at 100. And I'd be like, <laughs> fearlessly in combat and like doing okay, but taking a few hits and then suddenly I'm dead. I'm like, what? Why am I dead? Oh, yeah, because you only have 100 health. Like your health is not as high as you're used to. I'm used to it being like, what does it get up to? Like 300 or something? <laughs> Three Yeah, something whatever like it is. that, yes. Yeah, so you just forget that you don't have as much uh, as much of a buffer.
1: And I was going to say, I'm assuming on um, Survival Two that they will probably do more damage with gunfire, mm-hmm. even from the Marauders.
0: Yeah, my current playthrough, my last playthrough was Survival Two, uh, where I really had to think more about health. My current playthrough is Hard Two. Um, just there isn't really that much of a difference between Hard Two and Survival Two. I I don't find like the obviously yes there's a there's a um the enemies have a little better health they do a little more damage to you, but it wasn't really that much of a difference for me. The thing I missed was having the mini map and I actually like not having it, but live streaming, I don't like to be constantly spamming the map and uh, or getting lost. you know no one wants to watch someone drive around the cascades going in the wrong direction and having to turn around, so I was like, okay, for this playthrough, I'm gonna use the map so that I'm not wasting people's time as they're watching me live stream. So yeah, I landed on hard two, but yeah, still having to avoid combat. I'm still really early game. I've only done a few hours of gameplay. I just decided to take the drugs to Copeland. So I'm just at that point of the game right now. Um, And the reason why I chose Copeland is obviously because I'm not buying guns. I don't need to take them to tuck. Um, But what I am doing is I am buying bike upgrades. It's a little bit of a cheat to the concept but no one wants to play the entire fucking game with the starter bike. Nobody my. needs to see that shit. <laughs> so.
1: I couldn't agree more. That is one of my pet hates about the game. There's not many, but mm-hmm. the bike at the very start is, oh my God, it is infuriating.
0: The amount of times I just see no nitrous installed flash up on the screen as i'm spamming the x like go faster go faster go fast oh no nitrous installed no nitrous installed no nitrous installed i'm like oh <laughs> i need to get the nitrous installed because i just i spam that button all the time i'm like go oh i don't have nitrous go oh i no nitrous <laughs> it's so annoying i hate that little that little pop-up yeah.
1: i've got to admit with with myself clear, it used to be always running out of fuel Oh. My first playthrough, I was terrible for this in the first couple of hours. Mm. I just didn't pay enough attention to the fuel gauge. And the next thing I knew, the bike was just stopping. And I'm like, for God's <laughs> sake, Boris, you've done it again. Come on. <laughs> However, I did get to see a lot of the uh, the open world uh, on foot. So
0: Yes, yeah. I do know some people play it uh, without using the bike much. Like They'll go out on foot um, more so than use the bike to get to know the world and to encourage more encounters with the world.
1: Yeah, I totally get that because it's a fantastic world that they've created and the mm. scenery is, oh, stunning. It really is. Yeah,
0: and so many little details everywhere. So many little stories that you come across. Mass graves, not mass graves, but like little graves, suicides, weird scenes of potential murder or something, like questionable events have taken place. Um... Memorials and things like that. It's uh it's a very bleak world underneath its beauty.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I have to ask you, just now you referred to yourself as Boris. Where does the name Borislav two four seven come from? Is it two four seven or twenty-four-seven? How do you pronounce it?
1: Right. Well <laughs> an interesting one because when I first came up with the name, um, Borislav 247 it's actually come from the fact that uh, from a very young age my nickname was always Boris and one or two of my friends used to call me Borislav now from here it's it's always remained people do still call me Boris when i eventually um created a psn account on my playstation i i came up with the name borislav 247 I didn't actually type in twenty four seven. I just put two four seven in as I wanted it to be Borislav twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And from there, <laughs> from there, I eventually, when I um, came to creating my YouTube channel, I was very much of the thought I wanted to have the same name for the channel as what I currently do for my. Uh, for my PlayStation title, purely to make it easier for people to find my videos.
0: Right. Consistency. Yes. Yeah. So it's just a childhood nickname.
1: Yes, basically. Basically, <sighs> that's 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 all it is. Um, I, I will be honest, when there was a point I was thinking about actually putting for the YouTube one, actually typing it as 20 and then putting the 4.7 in, but I just left it the same as what I had it with the PlayStation and as people started recognising my channel, everybody just kept on referring to it as Borislav247 and I mm-hmm. thought, do you know what? That actually sounds quite catchy, so I just went with that. I never ever corrected anyone about that. Even though at, even though at the very start it was supposed to be Borislav 24.7
0: I'm feeling weirdly proud of myself because I always read it as twenty-four-seven, like yep. twenty-four yeah. hours a day, seven days a week. And I heard you on one of your videos. I think you you refer you said two-four-seven, and I was like, oh shit, I've been saying it wrong because I call you tw- Boris Live twenty-four-seven.
1: I was just about to say, Claire, you are the very, you're the first and only person I have actually ever heard say Borislav twenty four seven. And I remember the first time I heard you say that, and I was laughing. I'm thinking, my God, somebody's actually got it right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yes, I'm going to keep calling you Borislav twenty four seven, even though you yourself now say two four seven. I'm going to say twenty four seven. And when it, anyone tries to correct me, I'll be like, No, 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 don't correct me. I am right. <laughs> no, You
1: can you can definitely say you're right. There, there will come a time that I will probably maybe make slight changes um, to my logo and whatnot, where I will make it a little bit clearer. But right now, I've just, uh, I thought, no, I'll just stick with what everybody yeah. knows.
0: Yeah. And hey, if people are saying your name, whether they say it right or wrong, it's a good thing. If people are subscribing to your channel and, like, following you and finding you and they know who you are, then, you know, who cares if they say two four seven or
1: 24-7? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so let's get into talking about challenge mode. How would you describe, kind of, I call you the master of challenge mode. How would you describe yourself and, like, what you do, what you have done with challenge mode?
1: Well, you're too kind in calling me the master. <laughs> I will be quite honest, um, it's all come through practice with the challenges, but it all started off and ironically, the thing that I am now best known for is the very first video that I actually made for my channel was um, a challenge mode video. Mm -hmm. It all came from one of the challenges, which I had gone from being moderately good at to actually getting into the world top five. I think this particular one, I actually made the world ranking number four for Outride. And at the time I was like, oh my god, it's like, I'd have i I've been toying for a long time with wanting to um, make a gaming channel and I just never really felt it was the right time or I never really felt there was a platform to actually do this until... I, I managed to get inside the top five for this particular challenge, and I decided at this point I thought, well, do you know what? This is as good a time as any to um, to release my first video, and so the the channel Borislav um, Two Four Seven was created.
0: Uh, excuse me, sir. I think you'll find it's twenty four seven.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I should really start going with Borislav Twenty Four Seven, but. Uh, But from here, um, it started to take off, and slowly. Mm -hmm. I will be quite honest, the very first video that I released, um, I was happy if I even got two or three views a day for it. Um, I do remember watching intently every day after I'd released this first video. And I think over the space of the first two months, I think it got about 50 views. hmm yeah not not fantastic but no
0: i mean that's better than you had before you uploaded a video because you used to yes. have zero views so you got yes. somewhere
1: <laughs> so eventually i thought do you know what i'll start to produce one or two more videos um which are tutorial based and i think this the, the next one that i did after Outride was black friday Mm-hmm. and it was it was a it was a very detailed video but it was very poor in terms of how it was edited and whatnot um at this time this was my uh, my first start in actually producing videos where I actually put uh print on screen right and this this actually created problems for me um as it has with a number of the videos, because although I feel there's a lot of the videos I've done a tremendous job with, what a lot of people do not realize is I'm dyslexic. So all of a sudden, I'm not only trying to take on starting these videos off, but I'm also now trying to work away with the editing processes and putting print on screen when I know I have a problem with actually Getting the right words.
0: So, did you have some typos, or or you just like worried, paranoid that you're going to have typos and and mistakes in that?
1: I'll be quite honest. I check everything. Well, I don't always check well enough. But uh, the first few videos, I would constantly, once I had printed everything on screen, I would go back and read through them all, mm. and I was constantly having to make changes just to yeah. just to cover up for any mistakes.
0: And that's so time consuming. I think people don't realize how much time and effort goes into creating stuff like this. Uh, I mean, for example, like the podcast, it sounds like we just have an hour long conversation. I just hit publish and boom, there it is. There's hours and hours and hours that go into prepping for a podcast and also editing it after the fact. All the post-production, all the editing and all of the extra stuff like the uploading and writing the description and coming up with a thumbnail and all of that stuff. I imagine it's the same for you you're not just jumping on the game, playing for half an hour, uploading a video. You're doing, like you say, you're doing text and captions. You've got to do descriptions. You've got to, you know, do your thumbnails. You've got to edit it. Uh, you um, do your commentary sometimes separately from the video. So you have to record that separately and then edit that in. So much work goes into it.
1: There is indeed. There is indeed. I'll be quite honest. It's It took quite some time before I had the courage to actually start to put commentary to my videos. From the early start that I had, I had a number of the videos that um, I was putting them out as tutorials. And the idea for actually really going to try to perfect the challenge mode challenges only started coming after the people were saying, it's refreshing that someone who is showing us these tutorials is actually good at these games. Um not they're not getting these um these tutorials off. This may be a little bit unkind in saying like a generic gamer, but you do get a lot of gamers where they play it as the sort of the game of the month. Then once they've they've got their golds um standards to the various challenges, then they move on and they have nothing more to do with them.
0: Right. You can tell the passion that you have, not just for the mechanics of the game, but for the spirit of the game.
1: The challenges have certainly taken a hold of me, I will be quite honest. Um, After completing the, the Days Gone main game, which was a fantastic experience for me, I was really off the stage. It was like, oh my God, where do I go from here? And it was only when I went onto to YouTube, and I happened to be watching a video, and it was called Surrounded. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and just happened to see, um, world ranking number one, I think it was at the time, 80 million. And I'm like, what is this, and why have I not seen it before? And as I started to watch it, um did a little bit of um, research on the internet, and discovered that... Bench Studio had released a number of Days Gone Challenges. And when I first started playing these challenges for the first time, I think they were on the fourth challenge of the 12.
0: Yeah, because they got released in stages, right?
1: They did indeed. I think they started in June of 2019. And basically, certainly from the UK um, point of view, they were releasing them every Friday evening at 6pm. And over the next 12 weeks, they released them at the same time every week until they had all 12 out. And that was when the the bug really hit for me.
0: Now, you mentioned being globally ranked. How does one go about getting their score certified or... or like how do you know that you hold the record for a high score?
1: Right. Well, basically, when you're playing the Days Gone Challenges, the one thing above all else is you have to make sure you have a good internet connection when you're playing these challenges. Um your your PSN name you will you will automatically be logged in with um the PlayStation for that. I am assuming if you're not, then you have to be. But uh, when you're playing these particular challenges, if you happen to have a good score, you will. You actually have the ability to go onto the leaderboard and check if if you're not in the global top twenty five, you will actually see on screen. Um, something actually telling you your global ranking in the world
0: oh so it's in the game so the game keeps track of who's who's got the high score basically going back to the old arcade games that you used to love um it's the same thing like you'd at the end of the game you put in your usually your three uh initials and um hey you'd see how you do on that machine but nowadays it's like it's all connected to the internet so yeah i guess that's um yeah, it just shows up on that leaderboard.
1: Absolutely, the beauty of this as well is it's never it's never deleted. Once your name is up there, your your highest score will always be recorded um, through the servers of Bench Studio. But That's it cool. will but it will only ever be your best score on that particular challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, didn't you have a few where you were? You were number one. I know you have some where you're in the top three or the top two. Don't you have some where you're number one? Uh,
1: I am currently world number one on four of the challenges as we speak. Damn. I have another two world number two rankings. (laughs) I also have a world number three. So that takes care of seven seven of the challenges. I am world number three or better. Damn. And of... And of the last five challenges, I am in the global 25, the global top 25, sorry, I should say, of four of those five challenges.
0: Which is the one that you don't rank on?
1: <laughs> Survive.
0: <laughs> okay. Which one's that one?
1: Survive. It's the second challenge that was ever released by Bench Studio. It's the challenge where you are... You basically wake up and you're having to fight marauders in the graveyard. Oh,
0: yeah. I like That's my favorite one.
1: It's a fantastic challenge. All the people that are in the top 25, and I will really take my hats off to them, they are in for one very good reason. This particular challenge, the only way you can really sort of guarantee to get yourself in the top 25 is by taking out every marauder without receiving any damage throughout the entire challenge if you get nicked once with a bullet lose any health of any nature that is it you basically um, stop the chance of getting a 2500 point bonus at the end of the challenge and Mm -hmm. this is critical in order to get onto the world top 25 Damn! I've never managed to do it yet I've come close but it's never quite happened. I think I am sitting 95th in the world for that. So I am in the top 100 but uh, it's They're still
0: incredible being in the top 100 <laughs> even on just one of them. Like forget the like just it's incredible. And I love how we we saved this until like way into the episode before we even brought up oh by the way you're globally ranked number 1 number 2 number 3 on like 7 of the 12 <laughs> challenges. And that's what I mean when I say you're the master because you, you truly do know these challenges inside and out. And you know how to get those scores and you can back up your knowledge with the actual skill of doing it.
1: I've got to admit my knowledge of the challenges is very good. Um, before actually putting out the tutorials for these challenges, I put in an exceptional amount of time in terms of practicing them finding out just where the certain parts that have to be completed in a specific way and just go out of my way to make sure that I have the information correct Mm. before I make the tutorials.
0: Do you think that's kind of the key to getting such a good score and doing so well is just understanding all of the nuances, all of the, the detail of the challenge?
1: It certainly helps. There are some... There are some pieces of information with certain challenges, if you know, that will get you the higher scores. Mm. And I try constantly to put all this information into the tutorials, yeah. especially if they're ones that are concentrating on getting the the top global scores. Yeah. Um, Lately, I will be quite honest. I've actually taken more satisfaction from the tutorials that just get the job done for the the average gamer who is simply wanting to get the gold scores and the sub challenges taken care of to a gold standard.
0: Yeah, those are the ones that help me. I mean, your your mastery of the challenge to the global ranking standards is is incredible. But for me, like, I don't have the patience or not really the patience is the wrong word I I get too nervous it's too competitive for me like trying to get a high score I get flustered and kind of panicked and like in my own head about trying to achieve that I just kind of want to get gold or silver or something I want to at least feel like I've at least get bronze so I feel like I've done the challenge um I don't I don't have anything to prove necessarily because I know I'm not good enough to get You know, to to knock Borislav 24-7 off the top (laughs) spot, that's never going to happen. So for me, what's important is getting the perks from challenge mode. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't realize. They think challenge mode is fun, but it's like a separate thing outside of the game. That's just, if you're done with the game and you want a different kind of gameplay, cool, there are those challenges, go check them out. But there's actually something worthwhile about completing the challenges. Can you explain the patches and how they carry over into the main game?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's As you've just rightly said, Claire, it's, at, it's actually amazing just how many people still don't realize that when you complete these challenges, they all unlock patches. And depending on the scores that you manage to achieve on each of the challenges, the the patch that you unlock will vary accordingly. Um, There is a bronze, silver and gold score that you can achieve in all of the challenges. And whenever you manage to get one of these scores, you will unlock a patch for each of these challenges the Bronze Challenge is the lowest form, obviously, but the advantage that it gives you is still quite good. Mm-hmm. When you manage to unlock to a silver level, that is enhanced. And if you manage to get the gold uh, score on a particular challenge, you will get the maximum advantage that that particular challenge will give you. And all of these challenges have a different advantage that they will give to you which can which is immediately applied to the main days gone game
0: and what are a couple of examples of the patches
1: well the the perfect examples i'll really start with are probably what i consider to be two of the best advantages you can possibly get Uh, there is a challenge called the ambush camp rush Mm -hmm. and this in my view has the best possible um, patch advantage and it is basically bullet penetration so for every bullet that you fire from your gun if you're firing into a group of freakers it will if you get the bronze um, patch on this particular challenge i think the bullet penetration is plus one when you get silver it's plus two if you manage to get the gold all of a sudden you have bullets that will be potentially going through three freakers at a time. If you're Mm. going for headshots. Body shots, it doesn't always quite work that way. But uh, this advantage is huge. Not only for some of the endless horde challenges um, that um, you have, but also for the main Days Gone game. You will find that the hordes all of a sudden, become so much easier when taking them out through gunplay.
0: I I need to get that one. <laughs> I really. I'll be need quite that. honest.
1: It's it's not one of the easiest challenges to complete to a gold score. Second one, again, one of the best um, advantages that you can possibly get comes from a challenge called Outright. <laughs> oh, it's yes. a bike. It's a bike challenge, but when you complete this one um to a gold standard, this provides you with forty percent extra durability on any melee weapons in the main days gone game.
0: Damn, that is good.
1: This one is huge. Um that's an incredible this, perk. It really is. Um if you have this especially if you if you pair the fact that you have this particular advantage, and you happen to be using, for example, a machete in the main game, which is quite a durable item as mm-hmm. it is. I love the uh, machete. You, uh, <laughs> yes, me too. It's my personal favorite. I've got to admit.
0: Me too. It's be- recently become my personal favorite. I used to rock the superior mace. Um, that was always the the cool one because it looks kind of cool, but it swings slow, and the machete is so fast. And so exactly. brutal as well, like some of the kills with the machete where you take off the heads or, um, or their arms or something. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is
1: yeah. fun. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you couldn't have said it any better. Really, the, the machete for me is all about speed. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can apply two very quick hits much quicker than a lot of the other weapons where you would just be getting one hit in. And with the fact that the weapon is so durable already, even before possibly getting an advantage through Outride, um, just makes it the number one melee weapon for myself.
0: Can we just do a little sidebar? Can you settle a bet for me? You can be the decider on this. So me and Spornicus Rex have had conversations about the machete versus the fire axe. I'm team machete, he's team fire axe. He says that... The Fire Axe is slower, but will take out a Freak in fewer hits, and I forget where the durability matches up on the two, and if I remember correctly, and I could be completely wrong about this, the Fire Axe is not repairable. He's always Team Fire Axe because it basically gets the job done in like three hits or four hits, whereas the Machete takes four, five, six hits, but I always think if it's moving quickly and it's cooler then why not go with the machete what's yeah. what's your opinion on that?
1: I'm um, definitely with the machete clear um, awesome, the, machetes the, win the, fi- <laughs> the fire axe is a good weapon but I do know the durability of it is is not quite there with uh, the machete and the machete is just again it's for me it was always a speed thing
0: mm-hmm. the
1: machete can be wielded so quickly you can get so many hits in so fast that it really is, I, I think it's just the the perfect melee weapon for the Days Gone World. Yeah. You, yeah. Need some, you do need something that's quick, and especially if you start to get quite a number of uh, marauders all of a sudden. Sometimes if you just don't feel that uh, you're going to be uh, getting the time to uh, get uh, shots off on them, or if you want to keep quiet, which is probably more the main reason if you're quite Mm -hmm. near where a horde happens to be yep you're not necessarily wanting to take out the gun when you know all of a sudden you may just get a horde coming at you very quickly which which you may not be prepared for so
0: yeah and also bear in mind like for the first good chunk of the game your stamina is not very high even if you like me you're kind of putting a little bit of that Nero injectors into stamina or I mean with you like you're not putting it in until like a third of the way through the game so your your ability to run away from a horde escape from them if you need to is limited um without having to you know unless you want to pop a stamina cocktail or something but that's like a waste of a resource so yeah the melee is great because you don't want to risk having to waste time or resources fleeing the area Just because you pulled out your gun, made a noise, and attracted a horde. Yes. Yeah, I I love the the melee weapons. I love using them for the fun of using them. And I love how it fits into the world as a clever choice, like you say, for stealth. And also just like using the resources of the world. The melee weapons effectively cost nothing. I mean, the machete costs nothing because you can just pick it up. And the fire axe, you just pick it up. You don't need to make it. You don't upgrade it in any way. You just find them. Um, And I want to mention again something that I mentioned in a previous episode. Machetes are plentiful. They are really easy to find. Look out for the green pickup trucks, the forest service trucks, forestry service trucks. They're always in the back of that. You'll always find a machete in those. Or or like 90% of the time, you'll find a machete in those. uh, Which, if you look out for them, they're everywhere. So machetes yeah. are like really easy to get, and you can rather than repair them every time you drive past a truck, just hop off your bike, grab a new machete, boom, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, they definitely have their place. Uh, as much as uh, I'm, I'm definitely all about the guns. There are t- there are times when the machete just uh, is required to do the job. So.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all we have time for this week. Come back next Wednesday for part two, in which Boris and I talk about horde killing, fear, and why he always lets his health get so low. Just a reminder, you can support the Days Gone podcast via buymeacoffee.com slash pod where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. And I want to give a shout out to Joe Perotti, who generously bought me three coffees this week. Thank you, Joe. You're awesome. You can also support the podcast by simply leaving a review on Spotify or whatever app you use to listen to us on and subscribe and give us a thumbs up on YouTube. That helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the podcast. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions and counter arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out.